we're all playing rhythms as musicians, so you can learn from any, any piece of the band. That's the drummer Natalie Bates. I'm Jamie Green. And this is Trading Fours. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 6 of Trading Fours. Today's guest is the fabulous drummer Natalie Bates. Natalie currently drums with a great group here in town, the Grand Marquis. It seems especially fitting that the first podcast I would post after the news of the tragic passing of Neil Peart would be with the drummer. The first drummer I've had on this podcast. For those of you who don't know, Neil Peart was the drummer of Rush, which is known as being a musician's favorite among bands. The band had over four decades of performing and were considered by many, including myself, pound for pound the greatest rock group, musician-wise, in all of rock and roll. At the cornerstone of all this was Peart, whose drumming earned a legion of diehard fans his entire career. And I'm not just talking about drummers. Many were people who never played drums once in their lives and loved just to hear Neil play. I think a lot of it has to do with the human aspiration of always searching for perfection. Now, Peart would be the first person to tell you that he never achieved perfection, but let me tell you, he came damn close. The music of Rush will be an integral part of the soundtrack of my life, and I'm not alone, so I just wanted to take a moment to toast Neil Peart, a monster on the drums, and a total gentleman in all areas of his life. You'll be missed and never replaced. This interview with Natalie actually took place about a week and a half ago, so you're not going to hear any references to Neil Peart because we were not aware that he was going to pass. But it's a great interview nonetheless. I learned a lot. Natalie's really cool. And uh, it was great to get a drummer on. I'd like to have more in the future. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Natalie Bates. So, Natalie, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and how'd you get into music? Uh, born randomly in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, okay. uh, but moved to Kansas City at a very young age and basically grew up in the same neighborhood uh, up until I left. Well, I, actually, I'm still here, so <laughs> I guess I've just uh, stuck, out, stuck it out in Kansas City um, and got into um, playing drums in second grade asked my parents if I could play the drums, and uh, they said sure, and uh, just kept playing until uh, I really um, got into, I guess, marching band in high school and started playing in a big band right out of uh, high school and really got into jazz and big band music and was researching all of that by myself, Mm -hmm. and... um, took an evolution of jazz class at Penn Valley. I was getting a graphic design degree and decided I loved the history of jazz and I I was already playing, so I just I wanted to pursue that even more. Sure. And uh went to the conservatory and got a jazz degree and just kept trucking. Right. So what drew you, what was about the drums that you thought, well, that's cool, I want to do that? I honestly don't remember. I uh, m- both my sisters played the violin, okay, and it might have just been something where I just wanted to be totally opposite of what they were doing. Right. And wh- who were your first like influences when you first saw drummers that you thought, "Wow, that's cool. I'd like to play like them." Were there certain people that you looked up to? 
Um, you know, it was hard because I, we didn't really have computers or phones right. or anything. So my dad was always looking for people for me to kind of look up to. Uh, it was definitely my teacher, Doug Allwater. We mm-hmm. always went to see him play. And then guys like Kenny Arnoff and Terry Bozio, who came through Explorers Percussion, where I was taking lessons, you know, those were kind of my first big, whoa, you know, I want to be like that when I grow up. Absolutely. Those guys are great. And that's certainly, you know, who has Kenny Arnoff not played with, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, he's played with everybody. Um, Well, that's cool. And then the jazz bug, you said it kind of got... That you got bitten by it in high school, is that right? Or even earlier? When was Yeah, the... so it was my senior year. Our band director uh, basically retired, and we wanted to keep the jazz program going. Mm-hmm. So outside of school, we started kind of a community big band, um, and we're playing big band music. And I just, I loved the power of, you know, a 30-piece band, and, you know, you're kind of like the... Uh, the main artery of the whole thing and I that's just kind of where my ears kind of opened up and I started listening to everyone else around me and mm-hmm. just kind of yeah got got really into that music. so like the the Gene Krupas and the Buddy Riches of the world is that kind of when you just got in, delved into that too and actually I got really into we had three vocalists and we were doing uh, songs with Ella Fitzgerald and so I was getting into Joe Jones mm-hmm. and all those guys who were kind of breaking the molds of what I thought was possible. You know, you, when you're practicing by yourself, you know, you're learning these specific rhythms and you don't realize you can expand out of that. And, you know, they broke all the rules I didn't know you could break. And, um, they, yeah, they've really influenced me. Yeah, and Joe Jones lived here. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of yeah. cool. You have that little, you know, that was always the big story that he that was the person who embarrassed Charlie Parker. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard that story? And that's why Charlie Parker went away and like woodshed it down in the Ozarks for like a year because he was apparently he'd done some soloing and went off on a tangent and everybody else, the rest of the band stopped and Parker was so into it. He didn't know. And Joe Jones took one of his cymbals off and threw it. So it landed on the dance floor to make this huge sound to get Parker to stop. And it just mortified Parker. Yeah, we've, you know, I don't know about everybody, but I definitely, you know, have jam stories like that where you get woken up and you're not expecting it. And that, you know, right. makes you try a little harder next time you come back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a never ending quest, right? Oh, you can always, always get yeah. better at whatever age. Yeah. So um, I looked a little bit at your website and a little bit. Uh, I didn't stalk you too much. Promise. <laughs> Uh, but tell me a little bit about some of the graphic design stuff you do, because that's kind of a nice, it's artistic, right? But in a little bit of a different way, what exactly are you doing? Tell me about your business and what you guys do. Um, well, so right now I'm doing freelance. I worked for a couple different small graphic design companies and just, I, I, it wasn't for me. And so I do a lot of freelance for musicians or really whoever needs help with, you know, website design and brochures, but it's, uh, it's kind of, it was my, uh, basically my second passion after drums and I like having fun with it more than anything. So it's not, uh, by any means a full-time job, but I do love creating and designing. Um, you know, gets my juices flowing just like drums do. So absolutely. So who are you drumming with now? I'm with the Grand Marquise. Um, they're like a big band, right? Am I they're that right? a six-piece. Okay. Uh, you know, New Orleans, old-school 
soul music, um, also just writing new tunes based on, you know, what what our favorite music is, and I've never had more fun playing with a band, so I feel really lucky. So uh, six piece you said, so what's the instrumentation? So we've got uh, drums, obviously, and the bass player who also plays sousaphone. Okay. And then we've got trombone, trumpet, guitar, and the vocalist who plays, um, he's got all of his saxophones okay. ready to go. So Yeah, he's busy then. Oh, yeah, he loves it. So for people that don't know a little bit, the New Orleans sound, obviously that's why he plays sousaphone, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I joke a little bit, and in a good way, but my wife did not come from a musical background at all, so she thinks I make up instruments. So when I told her that <laughs> sousaphone was actually that John Philip Sousa had developed a, a tuba that you could march with, right? she thought I'd made that up. But I said, no, that's actually true. So Yeah, that's fun. real. And people will still argue with it to, uh, to you about it today. But yeah, that's, you know, just kind of going back to the roots and playing street music, you know, right. you gotta gotta put it on. <laughs> Absolutely, New Orleans is one of my favorite cities. I mean, if I could, I'd go down there a lot more than I can. But it's a fun place to go. There's so many great musicians there. Oh yeah, it's and, scary and just a huge, you know, a, a great place to feel like you're supported in your music too. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong. Yeah. So I, you play at Westport Saloon quite a bit. Where's where can we find the Grand Marquis? Yeah, they're always uh, at least once a month at Westport Saloon. Um, Chaz on the Plaza and the Raphael Hotel, they play inside and outside. Um, but we've been playing a lot of corporate gigs. Um, sometimes it, yeah, right. (laughs) Um, but yeah, all over the city, you know, but try to post that as much as we can on Facebook and on the website. Yeah. So who inspires you now? Who do you listen to? Oh man, you know, I think... Whenever I feel like I'm stuck in a rut, I go right back to Ella. I go to live recordings of her um, playing a show in Berlin or Paris and listening to her scat is, you know, the best solos I've ever heard. And, you know, we're all playing rhythms as musicians, so you can learn from, you know, any, any piece of the band. And she really every time inspires me with new ideas. Absolutely. Well, I'm a guitar player, so the Joe Pass and Ella Fitzgerald, the duo stuff. Oh, yeah. It's just amazing. And they do, like, there was some stuff in the 70s in Germany. Some German, you know, West German TV station did it. The concert, (laughs) just the two of them. And he was phenomenal anyway. Uh, And then together, it's just sublime. It's just really cool. Oh, yeah. And I saw, there was a video... I don't know where she was, but the piano player didn't speak English and didn't know how to play a blues. And she was like, all right, well, let's just make something up, you know, in the crowd of thousands of people and just killed it, you yeah. know, and it was just incredible. Absolutely. So what what's misconceptions about drummers? What do people get wrong about drummers? I think, at least for me, I felt like sometimes people don't know that I know what's going on. <laughs> I understand, you know, I can read music too. I understand the chord progressions and I, you know, I want to be in the loop too. I'm not just here to make sure you guys can count off a song right. and not speed up or slow down, you know, that we're all in this, you know, pie together, you know, let's make it taste good. You're listening to Trading Fours, so I already know you love learning about what goes into making and enjoying great music. In that same vein, I'd like you to join me, Alex Greenwood, for in-depth interviews, monologues, and news about creativity. Whether it's writing a novel, acting on the stage, designing products, making good food, taking photos, and yes, 
even playing a wicked guitar like Jamie, we cover it every week on Mysterious Goings On. Learn more at our website at mgopod.com and be sure to join us every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. That's Mysterious Goings On, where I try to take the mystery out of creativity. That's interesting. I'm sure your your time at UMKC that helped out tremendously, right? With that with, kind of, with being able to the reading the music and the chord progressions and playing with other players. I mean, was that a, a key component where you were able to really develop that skill or when did where did you when when did you develop it? I think just playing playing with different people so that that youth big band I was in uh, a lot of turnover with different kids. Right. Different backgrounds, different playing styles and you kind of got to be on your toes all the time, you know? You're kind of, uh, like what they say, you're trying to herd a bunch of cats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think your ears get trained more than anything. Absolutely. Well, and I, I had a conversation, um, my last podcast with a guy named Brock Alexander with the old number fives. They play at Westport Saloon quite a bit, mm-hmm. and he gives lessons and stuff. And so we talked about the dynamic. Live music is totally different. And the younger generation, there's a lot of folks that sit in their basement all day with Pro Tools and just are there by themselves. But that collaboration and, and that by the seat of your pants and that you can't back up. And if you make a mistake, you can't. I mean, I assume that you would agree with that, that that's a huge component in becoming a better musician. Oh, completely. And it's, you know, with all walks of life, you need to talk to people always, you know, if you want to get better at communicating. And that's what all music is. It's communicating with people. And I think sometimes... It's it's easy to sit in your room and get really good at something by yourself, mm-hmm. but you are a completely different musician if you're playing out with a lot of different people all the time and expanding your knowledge on different genres of music and you know, you should be wanting to do that anyway. Absolutely. So have you made any resolution? I mean, we just had New Year's 2020. Is there what would you like to do over the next 5 years? Do you have any projects or any things that's kind of itching in the back of your brain that you'd like to try? Uh, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm so busy all the time. I'm just trying to take the right opportunities when they come at me. And I'm just trying to work my ass off not to miss anything. And I think my only resolution I have, uh, I'm about to turn 29, and I, I just want to get to Brazil before I turn 30. Absolutely. <laughs> That's really my only resolution. I want to go down there and hear that music, and that's my favorite music to play. Is it really? Yeah. Interesting. So, like, the Joe Beam stuff, you love all that, and what all Brazilian stuff do you love? Um, the, so, the Parchido Alto mm-hmm. is just, oh, man, it gets my blood flowing, and um, Doug Allwater taught me all those those rhythms. and yeah, He literally has a book on it, right? Oh, yeah, you know, and he... As as a kid, you know, you're nine years old learning this, these rhythms, and you just completely do not understand, <laughs> you know, what what beast uh, you're getting into. But um, no, that's just what that really gets my blood pumping. That's great. Yeah. So for folks that aren't aware of who Doug is, I mean, obviously I do, but a lot of people aren't. So um, for who's listening, Doug is with the Sons of Brazil. Is probably the band that he's around with most. I always know when I see Doug, he always looks so relaxed when he's playing. Right? He plays he like is this. Relaxed. You know, I'd be like stressed out and sweating profusely trying to do, a t- and I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a drummer, but it's amazing how good those guys are um, and how much talent there is in that group and stuff. So tell me a little bit about Doug and your interaction with him and how he is as a teacher. You know, Doug is great because he, 
he he talks to you like you're his you're his friend and he wants to share all the knowledge he has with you and you just got to be ready to be a good listener because he has so much to offer um that really I didn't I don't think I appreciated all of it until I was older mm-hmm. just um how much Doug knows but also how he is so invested in learning more about what he loves. And I think some people get sometimes afraid of diving deeper into what they like right. for whatever reason. Um, but no, Doug's great. And I, I feel very appreciative to uh, have taken lessons for him for so long. Sure. And full circle. Uh, he was teaching at UMKC when I when I went and got my degree, and I felt like it was just the right place, the right time. Um, so yeah, I, I owe everything everything I know to Doug. That's really. great. Yeah. And so, did you get to deal anything with Bobby Watson when you were at UMKC too, or was it not because he's not obviously he's a sax player, not a drummer? How much did you get to interact with him and those guys? And that all? Uh, I would say same thing with Bobby. Bobby wants to talk to you about how to be a musician, which is. Which just as beneficial as talking about chords or whatever. Right. Um, and he he was great. He invited, um, you know, I was one of them, but he would invite students to come play gigs with him. How cool is that? And that's when you're sweating, you know. Oh, I bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want to impress the big cats, Absolutely. right? So, uh, no, all all those guys just want to present you with the best opportunities to get you ready for being a big cat yourself. So. Absolutely. Well, that's great. I actually took lessons from Danny Embry for a number of years. So oh, yeah. He's a very kind soul. Oh, yeah. A rock and roll guy trying to go back and <laughs> learn jazz. <laughs> he had lots of patience dealing with me, but that was great. And he's a great player and a really good guy. And um, all those guys are great, him and Kessler and all those guys. So that's great. Oh, yeah. All right. So I'm going to show my stupidity here right now because, like I said, guitar and piano is my background. Um, is it true that jazz, that it's actually the bass player that keeps the beat in jazz, and it's the drummer that's more... I mean, how will you describe the difference between a jazz drumming and rock and roll drumming? And you can tell me I'm an idiot. You're not going to offend me, so... Um, I think... So, in general, we're all responsible for what's happening up there. <laughs> Sometimes uh, there's obviously the more dominant player who's going to say, this is this is where the beat is, and... It, it really depends on who's taking charge. Sometimes you're all you're all on the same team and it's going great. And sometimes you have to look for the person who. It's almost like they are more aware of how to put out the fires. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the drummer. Sometimes that's the bass player. And hopefully it's one of those two because sometimes horn players just start going and <laughs> yeah they do. <laughs> if everyone else is lost, it's not going to go well. But you know we're talking about professionals. I think it's it's you know you're all in at that point. Right. So are you playing just marquees? Do you do any jazz stuff still or? Sometimes I fill in with other groups, um, but I think you know, uh, especially after um, going through the the UMKC. Um, program and really you know playing with the big band out of high school I was always just looking for a group that I had fun playing with sure and that a four-hour gig just flew by and I feel like I found that with them so I'm not I'm not really searching for anything else right now that's great 
So a couple questions. I'm curious, though. Say somebody came to Kansas City first time, and they said, um, Natalie, I'd like to see, like, five to ten of your favorite groups in town. Who would you tell them to go see? Who's Who would be Ooh. a great Yeah. It's not a, it doesn't have to be exclusive lists. There might be other people, but like you say, man, go see them. Like, who do you like to, who would you point them to? And it doesn't have to be jazz only. Yeah. Um, man, that's hard. Uh, so, um, wow. (laughs) Made you think. (laughs) Just for the sake of getting a little taste of different genres, I would say definitely, I actually, I would just say go check it out a different venue every day. Right. Because I mean, it's I think it's hard to go wrong, um, and you're really not going to be disappointed in any of those places you go. I I personally always try to make um, the shows that my friends are playing in. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, being a gigging musician, you don't get out enough right. to see other people. But no, I I, I would you know. Point them towards, you know, uh, Record Bar, Green Lady, Riot Room, you know, the Blue Room, uh, the Phoenix, uh, the Raphael Hotel. Sure. There's just, uh, you know, it's all good and all different. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I always tell people go to Knuckleheads, too, because I think Knuckleheads. Oh, hell yeah. Especially when the weather's nice. (laughs) Yeah, you get that outdoor stage. Yeah. Bleacher seating. So I actually lived in uh, Austin, Texas in the early 90s, and I always say that Knuckleheads kind of reminds me of that early 90s Austin vibe. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of cool. I have to ask, because I'm kind of also interested, too, because I think this is, and I actually talked to, I had a bass player in, Elisa Jefferson, who is a rock and roll bass player, and she's a lead singer and all that stuff, too. Do you still, are there still dudes that give you a hard time because you're a woman playing drums, or have we finally gotten past that, and they don't Um, care? They just say stupid things sometimes, but I just let that roll off, you know? They're like, oh, wow, you're the singer, right? (laughs) Or, oh, wow, you're setting up the drums for your boyfriend. That's That's great. Uh, they're just idiots. It's fun. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I'm on the, the better end of that where I'm going to kick ass later and yeah. they're just going to go get wasted. So That's good. Yeah, my wife's an attorney and the first time she went to do a deposition, mm-hmm. the other attorneys thought she was just the court reporter because, you know, God forbid a woman could be a practicing attorney too. I just think they don't think about it, you know? Well, yeah. I was really fortunate. My mom um, was a PE teacher um, and I have three sisters and no brothers and my mom was the one that I... Th- play basketball with and i you know uh baseball that, that was what i did with my so i never had that dynamic to begin with like yeah. which was really lucky for me so i'm always amazed how some guys are really stupid <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad it's happening less and less but it's just i mean it's 2020 right i mean this is stupid i mean it's who would ever think that it matters at all i don't i don't think it does i think it's just what people are what they are used to, you know, that they see women or they have seen women do these certain things and they just generalize. Right. And they're not trying to be, you know, they're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to demean me in any way. They just, just <laughs> they just don't get it. They're just so, clueless. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So tell me about some of your upcoming gigs. Where can we see you with Grand Marquis um, in the next? This will come out January 15th. So keep that in mind. Oh, man. So I live off of a pocket calendar. (laughs) But we will definitely be at Westport Saloon um, and Chaz on the Plaza. I know are definitely two venues coming up. And um, 
Oh, February 9th, on my birthday, we're playing at Knuckleheads. Very cool. So that one I definitely know is happening. Yeah, on your birthday. Yeah. 20, I want to be 29 again, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> it flew by. I woke up one day, and I'm 51 years old. I don't know how that happened, so that's it great. It happens, man, yeah. That's great. Well, I really appreciate you coming out. Like I said, I try to keep these kind of short because I think it's like a car ride long, you know, like a commute. Yeah. I don't want to make, you know, in some podcasts are two hours. I can't, I, I just can't do that. It's yeah. just too much time. So I don't want to do that either. No, that's great. <laughs> well, appreciate you coming out and uh, thanks so much for the time and be sure, I'll be sure to put in the show notes links to the Grand Marquis and your Facebook and your website and all that so folks can come out and uh, have a great day. Yeah, you too. All thanks, right. man. Thanks. Natalie Bates, everybody. Another fun, fun conversation. Um, super cool, man. 29 years old. She's already doing all that cool stuff. How great would it be to get to Woodshed with uh, Bobby Watson and Doug Arwater? Two of the best in town, and Kansas City's a great jazz town, so that's saying a lot. I'm going to do a shameless plug. I've not done one of these before, but you probably have gleaned from listening to me a little bit that uh, I actually play in a band myself. I am in a band called Thunder Jacket, which is a 90s cover band. If you love the 1990s, you'll love us. We play everything. Hip-hop, rock, grunge, pop, and we have a lot of fun. This Saturday, we are at Taps on Main, which is uh, downtown 1715 Main Street from 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock, so a three-hour show. That's a great place. It's got a lot of great beer selection. If you're into beers, you've got more than you could possibly try. Really good food. Staff's great. We have a lot of fun. It's on the streetcar, so you don't even have to worry about how you're going to get there if you're downtown. You could come out and see, and I will probably look nothing like you thought by only listening to me. So that's it for this episode of Trading Fours. Until I see you next time on February 1st, please go out and support live music. Bye-bye. <laughs>